the show where we don't just report on fringe science, spirituality, claims of the paranormal, but take part ourselves. Yep, when they make the claims, we show up so you don't have to. I'm Ross Blotcher. And I'm Carrie Boppy. You don't have to, but you can if you want. Show up? Yeah. Yeah. We just have to remind people of that every now and then. Absolutely. And in this case, yeah, you Go might ahead, want to. If you want. Yeah. You can. We're going to tell you about Chromasonic. An immersive light and sound experience. That's what it is. Yes. And how did you find out about it? I went to Google something else that had been advertised to me in an Instagram ad, something else that had appealed to my on-rack sensibilities. Uh-huh. Went to Google that, couldn't find that again, found this, and was like, oh, this is also good. Okay, so Chromasonic, you hear the name and you're probably already thinking of colors. And sound. And sound. And you're not thinking of Masonic which is at the end like, oh, temples and secret rituals. No, that's unrelated, just happenstance. This is about chromosomes. Don't think about the Masons. Yeah, don't picture people wearing aprons and making hand symbols. Don't picture it. Don't picture secret ceremonies behind big oak doors. Don't picture that at all. Don't picture that. Don't form those images in your head. (laughs) Do not. Those are unrelated to this investigation. (laughs) It's about color and sound. Yeah, so... When I got to the website for this thing, I was like, what the heck is this? We'll get into it, but just so you have the right mental image, because you didn't form all those incorrect ones, this is going to be one of those immersive interactive experiences where you're having your senses stimulated by Mm -hmm. both image and sound. Normally, that wouldn't necessarily be something that our podcast would be interested in, but it all comes down to, I think, the presentation. How are you selling this experience? They are selling it as a way to get into an expanded state of consciousness. Yeah, awareness and connection, expanded states. Yeah, that's a big deal. I had just watched the movie Altered States. Did oh, you ever see that? Oh, yeah. Okay. Because oh, funny. It kept coming up in conversations. Oh, weird. Where okay. people were like, oh, yeah, well, it's kind of like Altered States. I'm like, well, I guess I need to see it. What'd you think of it? Was it Jeff Bridges? Well, Ken Russell directed it. Who is the lead? It's the guy who's in Kiss of the Spider Woman. John Voigt? No, John Lennon? John Malkovich? John Adams? John... (laughs) You're having fun. Keep going. You'd think I could think of more Johns. John Wilkes Booth? Drew Barrymore was in there. I wasn't expecting or remembering that. No, me neither. John Jacob Jingleheimer Schmidt. Uh, William Hurt. That's who I'm thinking. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) The main character. (laughs) Anyways, getting far afield here. Yeah. So also the book of Altered States, way better. Patty Chayefsky. Anyway. Okay. Okay. The point is they are presenting it as a way to get into this different way of being in your brain and body. Yeah. Like a meditative state at the very least, but maybe even something that's kind of hallucinatory or drug-like experience. Yes. So as you scroll down their website, 
They start to give you little pull quotes of people who have been to their facility. And they say things like, I felt color as if it mixed in my body. It's like time was standing still. I felt like a child seeing something for the first time. That might be the best one. I couldn't tell if my eyes were open or closed. I was inside and outside of my body at the same time. So at this point, I'm already convinced. This sounds amazing. Yeah. And yeah, as you scroll down the website, these fade in and out of focus, and they're all in Helvetica font. See everywhere. (laughs) Very important to us. I point out now all the time to my family, because I'm trying to get my son, who is recalcitrant, to gain this knowledge, to recognize the font Helvetica, (laughs) which was invented in 1957 and is now around us everywhere. Mm -hmm. You see it all the time. Anyways, that is the chromosonic logo. It's just the slightly italicized all caps Helvetica, where you see the outline saying chromosonic. So what they do at chromosonic, just to put a fine point on it, they create harmonic connections between natural and artificial cognition by fusing science with art, making light audible and sound visible through chromosonic refrequencing. Wow, that's a a very astute way to describe that, Carrie, right off the top of your head. Yeah, totally, yeah. They have it close to us in Venice, California. Mm -hmm. That's where we went, Satellite One. But they also have one coming in Telluride, Colorado. Yeah. And then we'll mention it later, but there's going to be a second exhibit that they're working on in Los Angeles. Uh, There's going to be three. There's Sensory Field that's opening somewhere in LA. And then there's also Studio Lab that I think is up in the Valley. Cool. But Studio Lab, even though it's technically open, didn't seem to be open to visitors at this time. So So it's kind of an experience slash, I don't know, I feel like art experience almost, Mm -hmm. art installation but of one. It's just like this one piece, essentially, that you pay to go visit. And it's made by three artists. There's the visual artist, Johan Girardoni, the sound artist, Orfeo McCord, already two dope names, Yeah, and Joel Shearer. Joel, what up? Poor Joel. Most boring name of the list. As we saw previews of this, and now after having experienced it, my immediate thought and connection was to the artist James Turrell, who I consider myself a fan of. I don't follow him regularly, but I really enjoyed the exhibit that they had at LACMA a couple years ago, the Los Angeles County Museum of Art. And he's this artist of light, and he uses light to create environments and spaces that play on our perceptions. And I so dig this kind of stuff. So I got really excited when you told me about Chromasonic. I was like, I'm in. But with James Terrell, like you would come into a room and everything would be this intense magenta. Mm. And then you'd be observing maybe like just a frame on a wall. You know, it's a lighter magenta or maybe it's white against all of this other magenta and you kind of lose a sense of the scale of the room is it really big is it really small Mm -hmm. i can't even tell Mm -hmm. and then your retinas are being so flooded with magenta light then you walk into the next space and now your brain is pumping green to Mm -hmm. white balance that to cancel out that magenta of what you just saw right and so now you've got all this extra green and the next space has been designed to kind of play on that Mm -hmm. and then there's other exhibits where you have to put on little booties to keep from scuffing up the ground because you're just in this sort of rectangle with rounded edges and there's sort of a light projection 
coming out off of a side room from this rectangle. And the way the surface is curved and the light is shining on it, you can't tell how big it is. It could Mm -hmm. be an infinite space. It could be three feet. You don't know. And you just kind of sit there going, wow, my brain can't resolve this. So stuff like that. And I found that super interesting. When you go into that, sometimes that'll put you into this sort of like hypnotic kind of feeling or a meditative state, something kind of on the edge of sleep sometimes. It's really disorienting in a very pleasant way if you're into that kind of thing. It's what's appealing about drugs, hallucinogens to Mm -hmm. a lot of people. But in this case, you can walk out of it and within a few minutes kind of regain your composure and go back to work if you need to. So kind of get a glimpse of that experience without potentially messing something up for yourself in the future. And I think it is meditative in the sense that it forces you to think about your perceptions and oh that's so interesting i'm used to having these kinds of cues that tell me about my environment and when they're systematically taken away from me what does my brain do mm-hmm. and here's where it gets confused here's where i go out of focus another one of the exhibits was see kind of a panel above you that shows the sky and then slowly the lights adjust in the internal space to where they match the color of the sky outside mm-hmm. and it all flattens mm-hmm. it's just, yeah it's just really interesting and it Causes you to think about, oh, yeah, I'm just this fancy computer Mm -hmm. that's taking in these inputs and making sense out of them. And here the artist has exposed where those mechanisms can be kind of hijacked. Yeah. As part of that exhibit, they had this pod that you could get into. It was like this big circular dome thing. And you'd lay down in it like you were getting an MRI or something. Mm -hmm. And then they would push you. seen a video of this that you sent me, yeah. They would push you inside of it. And I didn't get to do that because it was sold out months in advance. Oh, sure. So I just couldn't even get in. People Uh, were like, trap me in the art. Trap (laughs) me in the art. (laughs) Totally. Yeah, if you had claustrophobia, that might be an issue. But then they would put like headphones on you and they would have the light display, but also sound. So it seemed like something very analogous to what what was being created for yeah. Chromasonic. And if I was going to talk to those artists, I'd be curious to know if they have any relationship to James Terrell or if they're interested in his artwork. But I know for years he's been working on this exhibit in Arizona, I think, that's just like inside of a natural crater. Mm. And he's turned it into this kind of sort of like the answer to Stonehenge. There's something that kind of oh, cool. lines up with certain celestial events, but also plays with all these visual styles. And I would love to go there sometime. That sounds cool. But all of that was kind of sold as artwork and right. things looking at perception. But I felt like Chromasonic was making these additional claims and mm-hmm. additional language. And their website is just a joy to read. You were sharing some of these descriptions with me and it, it was totally like, oh, well, this qualifies for an on-rack investigation. Yeah, I was reading this to you as we were driving down there. You were driving. I was not, but I was reading it to you. And you said, oh, this is the equivalent of padding your resume, which I think (laughs) is exactly right. We totally understood what they were saying, but there's just we're going to add 30 extra words to get there and it makes it like sound a little fancier. I think it's 100% the modern art explanations that throw in all of these flowery words that, yeah, it feels like we're padding something here to make it sound even fancier than it is. So, for example, in the About section, it says, Chromasonic explores intersections of art and science to elicit visceral and potentially transformational experiences of presence awareness, and connection. Our sites embrace both physical and virtual sensory technologies. Merging light and sound, we create harmonic connections between natural and artificial cognition. The works blur boundaries between physical reality and our perception, creating conditions that appear to shift the experience of time and space. 
Wow. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I mean, all of that checks out. Just at the same time, it feels like what L. Ron Hubbard would call patter. Before he created a bunch. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, well, it's funny within Scientology, like they refer to it as that. It's just sort of language that's meant to have an effect on its own. That's supposed to add layers of mystification Mm -hmm. on top of something that you could more literally and tangibly just sort of lay out like flashlights to mess with your mind. Right, right. And they have a little flow chart to the right that connects art and science, but as art goes around this like intersection of a torus shape, it goes to technology, nature, information, then we're back to science, knowledge, culture, perception, art. And then there's a straight line between art and science, and I think that straight line is this experience, maybe? Yes, that's right. We are in the midst of a floating torus in space, and then under another section on the website, Light and Sound, they say, Chromosonic connects science to the inquiry of art making. Oh, it's so true. We create fundamental connections between light waves and sound waves through chromosonic refrequencing. We manipulate analog instrumentation to generate light across the full visible spectrum mm. and use all visible color frequencies to generate sound from light. This sensory technology makes light audible and sound visible. Which I noticed our docent repeated as we were getting ready to do this. Uh, Yeah, I feel like that is the actual thesis statement of this thing. Yeah. We make light audible and sound visible. Which carries this idea of sort of a synesthesia that Mm -hmm. they're invoking, that you're starting to cross your two senses. And a lot of people report on LSD that that's part of the experience, Mm. is that like, I heard visions, I tasted smells right yeah yeah Yeah. oh the number six was yellow to me Mm -hmm. cool okay so yeah the language on this website i think really sold the experience Mm -hmm. even more just the fact that they felt they should frame it in this way but i I would have been sold even if they just said hey we're gonna flash funny lights at you and mess with your brain true but then we wouldn't made a podcast about it so Mm -hmm. thank you chromasonic Also, a big part of their cell is that they detach you from our screen-centric world. Yeah. So they mentioned a few times on the website that we interact with screens a lot during our day, our computers, our phones. And this gives you a form of augmented perception without reliance on a device, Mm -hmm. which I find a little funny once you get there. Because we've got technology involved here. Yeah. There are computer-controlled lights and sound. But... uh, It's also all run from an iPad. Oh, is it? Yeah. I, I didn't even oh, see Oh, I took that. a picture of the iPad. I'll show oh, you. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Okay. So we're definitely relying on a device. Great observation. Oh, I love it. But you might say many of us are challenged by our attention mm. monopolizing screen-centric culture that mm-hmm. consumes so much of our lives. Mm-hmm. A chromosonic immersion is an invitation to let go, creating an effortless atmosphere to be fully present with your senses. You might say that. I might say that. I can't remember who it was, but I think it was a comedian who was referring to all of the screens that we look at every day as glowing rectangles. Mm-hmm. And that really stuck with me. Yeah, yeah, we're just surrounded by glowing rectangles mm-hmm. all day. And, oh, yeah. you know, I hold one upright most of the time in front of me. And then I've, you know, I've got another one right here on my laptop. And I've got two on my home computer. And, yep. and then we got the big 65-inch one. I was just going to say, I spend about probably 10% of my experience watching movies thinking that thought. Thinking like, oh, it's another screen I'm looking at. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, whoa, this is a representation of life that actual life happening in this room is people sitting in chairs right and now the iphone gives you a weekly summary and it lets you know you Mm -hmm. spend x number of hours per day staring at the screen yeah and it'll usually be seven plus hours a day which is just insane just your iphone yeah not even your your my phone being on yeah Yeah. 
but that's often, you know, like YouTube videos or I'm reading books, but Mm -hmm. so much ends up on that screen Mm -hmm. and me looking at that screen. Yeah. And mine's not quite that high, but then if I add my computer to it, forget it. Yeah. Now, they also mentioned non-ordinary states of consciousness and awareness. Mm -hmm. Love that phrase, non-ordinary state. And in their boundless space, they close the loop between immateriality of the environment and the immateriality of ourselves. Now, that sentence, I don't actually know what it means. I was just going to say so true, but then (laughs) you are correct. It it doesn't really parse into anything. Yeah, most of these sentences, I at least know what they're going for. That one, The immateriality of ourselves, is that a, a statement of dualism? Okay, let's try it again. In our boundless spaces... So I think they're saying in our art spaces. Okay. We close the loop between the immateriality of the environment and the immateriality of ourselves. Service is the jewel in the rock of attainment. (laughs) Yeah, that one, I don't know what it means. Maybe. Participants are immersed in full body mind experiences that ground you in a new awareness of your perception. Okay, well, that's fine. Yeah, that's fine. Metacognition, fine. And finally, on their website, they talk about connection. So we've had... Light and sound, presence, consciousness, and connection. Experiencing amplified presence and awareness can enhance connection to self, as well as foster a strong connection to others within a chromosonic immersion. Yeah, connection to others is interesting because when you go to this, when you go to sign up, you become aware that, okay, up to seven other strangers might be in this experience with me. Mm -hmm. Pod will hold eight people. Yeah. And how much was it? Like 35 bucks? Yeah, I believe it was 35 bucks. That's if you are willing to go into one of the open spaces. So basically, again, strangers could be joining you. Otherwise, you have to buy up the whole pot. Yeah, if you want to have a private experience, they just basically say, that's fine, but you need to buy eight tickets. Have as many people as you want. Could just be you for the 200 odd dollars or, you know, you could bring some of your friends. We don't care. And to be fair, on their website, they do also have an FAQ where they break down some of these terms. Mm-hmm. So at least they throw out something like chromosonic refrequencing. But if you go look at the FAQ, they'll let you know that chromosonic refrequency is our software-driven method to translate sound waves to light frequencies and light frequencies to sound waves in real time. Now, when I hear that, I just think of the iTunes thing that came out when we were in high school where you'd play a song through it and these sort of bulbous patterns would appear on your screen. Visualization plugins. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I think of Winamp, you know, which really whipped the llama's ass also back in the 90s. And uh, I'm sorry? It really whipped the llama's ass. Oh, okay. Is that a saying? When you would download Winamp, they would have one audio track ready and it would play when you opened up the program and say, Winamp, it really whips the llama's ass. Oh, weird. Okay. Yeah. Who knows what that was all about? Yeah. Okay. I assume no llamas were hurt in the making of Winamp. Yeah. Good, good, good. But it had the coolest visualization plugins and you could download them. And I had like 200 different ways for music to create undulating waves and lights on the screen. Nice. So yeah, that's what I'm expecting when I read that. They also do mention their COVID safety protocols Mm -hmm. uh, for those in the future who don't even remember what the hell COVID is. It was this (laughs) pandemic we were going through in 2022. I feel like it's telling anyone who was alive during 1918. For anyone who doesn't remember the flu Mm -hmm. of 1918. I know they're going to remember. That's the joke. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, what else is on this FAQ? No dogs allowed. Sorry. Oh, Ela. Actually, that's good. She would not have liked it. Yeah, actually, it seems like it would be a mean thing to inflict upon a pet. Yeah. So you got our tickets and we drove down to Venice 
And I don't know what I was picturing as a neighborhood, but this wasn't it. Yeah, it's part of Venice. Venice is, of course, beach on, community. Yeah, on the ocean. I realized as we were driving there, oh, we're going to have to explain the warehouse thing in LA to people who don't live in LA. So here's mm-hmm. the thing that I didn't even think about this until we were driving down. A thing about LA that's probably unusual. There are tons of just warehouses that have in no purpose, <laughs> but they can just rely on this very bizarre community we have here of makers to mm-hmm. sometimes need them yeah so an artist will come in and put in a huge art installation that's like a 700 ton golden dog you can go see it at the warehouse in downtown Mm -hmm. and then they'll leave six months later or more likely the movie industry comes in and needs it for some big shoot and leaves maybe no one books it out for the next two years and it's just sitting there yeah this is totally one of those spaces so we're driving around you know, there's apartments everywhere. And then all of a sudden you're in a little industrial area and there's mm-hmm. these like kind of mini sound stages almost. So we parked nearby, walked down the street and our tickets were for five o'clock? Six. Six o'clock. But this time of year, that's already really dark. Yeah. So, you know, we're wandering around in the dark and we see just like a bunch of random junk and it looks like a maker space. Like people are building mm-hmm. stuff and there's plants and there's half finished wooden structures so we're looking in there going is it in there because we know by the map that we're in the right area but we're not exactly sure where this is happening then a woman greets us and so we're the ones that she's looking for Mm -hmm. and behind her you can see that logo with the chromasonic okay we're in the right place i believe she just said are you carrie are you looking for chromasonic and then are you carrie i was like oh yeah hi you were the one who bought the two tickets yeah yeah so clearly no one else had purchased or we were the last to arrive but we weren't particularly late so i thought oh okay it's just gonna be us so we had already filled out the waivers online beforehand they want you to go on their website and sign their participant agreement and release which is pretty long document one bolded line here says although it is rare to have a negative emotional or physical response please always feel free to exit the experience at any time if you oh rare to have okay if you have any concern for your well-being interesting okay okay so yeah good thing to keep in your mind now that you've already gone through this They definitely also told us beforehand how to leave if we needed to leave. Yeah. But I'm just surprised to hear it called rare. Mm-hmm. But okay. Okay. And then we were told participant voluntarily assumes all risk of loss, damage, illness, or injury, including death, mm-hmm. that may result from <laughs> their property. I love waivers. Yeah. It's always fun to actually read them. Well, no, it's not. That's why nobody does it. Mm-hmm. But when you do dig in, you find little bits of gold. I always wonder, like, would this really stand up in court? Would they be like, well, you said up to death. Well... Sorry. Yeah, sorry your friend died. The entire thing collapsed on your head. Well, (laughs) that's too bad. You shouldn't have hit the red button. Yeah, (laughs) right, exactly. So she asked us if we had signed that. We said yes. Good, you've given up all of your legal rights, which is what it says at the end there. So yeah, we're ready to go in, except... We wanted to break our habit of looking at screens all the time. Mm Mm-hmm. Much as you look at your screen all the time to... I, I do. ...to play... Best Best Fiends! Yeah, so if you've got to go on a sensory deprivation, you might want to load your senses first with Best Fiends. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it's it's a game on your phone because we have these fancy phones. We all hold them in our pockets. Yeah. And it doesn't matter if you're on Android or iPhone, you can get Best Fiends. Oh my God, this is so funny. I can't believe I didn't think of this. Best Fiends is actually one of the supporters of the episode today. Is it? Yes! Oh, that's weird. Okay, I was just talking about it. Oh, yeah, no. You know, I was playing it last night and... It's funny, I had stopped for a while because I was on level 2666. 
Oh, damn. And I was like, oh, I want to be able to say that for the podcast. But then they sent me a bunch of like a little bonus. uh, Like if you (laughs) if you play within the next five minutes, you get these bonuses. And it's like, well, I got to do it. So now I'm at level 2,679. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's this colorful world. Look at that. Look at all these like little butterflies flying around. Yeah, I really like the world because as you go through these different areas, I just came out of this snowy village. Mm -hmm. I beat all those levels and now I'm in the Royal Gardens. It's very pretty over here. The color palette reminds me of the Smurfs. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. Just bright, happy. Mm -hmm. That's how I like my cartoons. Awesome. Yeah. And so you collect a bunch of bugs that Mm -hmm. help you get through these puzzles. Those are your fiends, the bugs. Then you are defeating the slugs who are getting in your way. They're kind of jerks, but it's good fun puzzle solving. There's always little like stories and adventures going on. So right now we're at... Treasure Island, E-Y-E. Oh, those are Island. cute friends there. Yeah. So, You're showing me your phone. Oh, I need to defeat five more slugs and activate seven more converters. Anyways, as you move through the world, you level up all of your fiends and you collect all this fun stuff and you solve puzzles. It's great. Do you have any favorite fiends or any favorite characters in Best Fiends? Maybe they're not even fiends. I would say I almost always use Rue, are you? Okay. As, oh, yeah. As my Rue's purple cute. fiend. Yeah, and Rue like clears out almost the whole screen. Pretty powerful. And then same story with Bam. Bam, bam. That, oh, that's, Bam is fun. That's, okay. That's my favorite red fiend. But bam has big sort of bee-like wings. You know, you feel like you wouldn't want to knock those off, mm-hmm. but a huge smiling mouth. And it's not, you're seeing Bam very advanced. Bam is level 34. Mm. As they start out, they're kind of like little larvae. And every time oh, right. you hit like five, they change form and you see them as like they get a guitar or, you know, something <laughs> like that. Cute. Yeah, they get fancier and bigger. I must say my fiends are all pretty well evolved. Boy, sounds like a mobile puzzle game that anyone can download and play. That's a good way of summarizing it. And you know, whether you have a few minutes or a few hours, Best Fiends is the perfect puzzle game to lose yourself in because you're having so much dang fun. There's new characters and challenging puzzles added all the time. And there are tons of fun events where you can win huge in-game rewards. So download Best Fiends free today on the App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R, Best Fiends. Best Fiends! God, I love my bra. Oh, good. I'm (laughs) glad you finally felt free to talk about that. With me, with all of us. Yeah. Oh, my God. I love how it holds my boobs up, holds them in place, Mm -hmm. says you guys are doing a great job. Really? It's so you don't have to think about them, right? Ideally, yes. Mm -hmm. But I just find myself thinking about them all day because I'm like, (laughs) I love this bra. I love my own breasts. Okay. Here I was going to say, third love thinks about your boobs, so you don't have to. Oh, right. No. It just draws my attention to them (laughs) and how well they're doing. You know, maybe people listening to this have made a 2022 New Year's resolution to take better care of themselves, to appreciate their breasts more. I get it. And Third Love knows that comfort and fit are essential to feeling your best. So that's why they designed Mm -hmm. their Mm -hmm. kinetic sports bra to support you every step of the way. It's designed with unmatched comfort and support for my high-intensity workouts and my casual weekend errands. And Third Love does comfort so you can do you. Their bras, underwear, activewear, and feel-good all-day wear are designed to hug better, hold stronger, Mm -hmm. and support longer. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they're obsessing over every single stitch, so you never have to think about how something feels, looks, or wears. 
So love your fit guaranteed. If not, just exchange or return the dang thing. Exchanges and returns are free for 60 days. That's third love's perfect fit promise. And feeling is believing. So upgrade to everyday pieces that love your body as much as you do. Right now, you can get 20% off your first order at thirdlove.com slash oh no. That's 20% off at thirdlove.com slash oh no. Okay, so now we're ready to walk into Chromasonic, which was not where she greeted us and signed us in, in front of that bigger warehouse with all the random things inside. Yeah, uh, it's a little off to the side. Yeah, there's a little separate building back behind that. It's right adjacent, so it's not like you go walking for a minute or anything. You are encouraged to not use your phone. Mm-hmm. Turn that off. Remember, we're trying to get away from the screen. I don't remember her saying that. Did she tell us to turn yeah. off? Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Or at the very least, put them on silent. Oh, okay. I so, think mine was already so on silent. That. So We were led into this little antechamber room mm-hmm. where you can see the pod that you're about to walk into. They refer to it as the satellite. So, of course, the first thing you look at is behind this sort of gauzy veil, there's this giant egg. egg? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's like an egg with the bottom cut off, like mm-hmm. a, a slice missing so it can stand there. And it's built out of a sort of wooden structure where you can see the horizontal and vertical struts Yeah, of an wood. almost lattice yeah. design. Yeah, but it feels like a design in and of itself. Yep. So your egg. It's beautiful. Yeah, it really is. Your egg is like this kind of incomplete wooden arc structure, if you will. It looks like it's ready for like an exoskeleton ready to be built on top of it, but it is completed and perfect as it is. It's all white, but it's lit by a big, bright red LED tube on one side. And then the ambient color of the room that we're in is this intense blue. And so they fade from blue through purple to magenta all on the surface of this big egg you're about to walk into. So really interesting. And the fact that they've put up this sort of gauzy screen makes it all feel a little indeterminate and throws off the scale of it a little bit. So mm-hmm. I'm into it. I'm, I'm all excited. Oh, yeah, me too. Yeah, it's a big reveal when you walk into that room and you realize, I'm going to walk into that. And then on one end of that egg is the doorway that you enter into that is cut into the side of this egg. And it feels like the entrance to a spaceship. Okay, I see that. It looks to me like the entrance into a place you go to die with all your friends. That too? Okay, sure. Yeah, I feel like if someone were to make a medium-sized budget cable TV special five episodes long about some friends who join a cult and at the end they all die. Mm -hmm. This is a scene from that. Okay, fair enough. Especially when you do look inside and you see the mats where you're supposed to be laying down. But if you had to make some sort of futuristic technical representation of a vaginal opening, this might also fit that Uh, bill as well. Could, could. But there's a light source inside the egg a separate color, but we'll get there because we'll get there. first we Hold have on, people. we have to sit down and fill out forms. So we all, and by we all, I mean the two of us, but hypothetically there could be six more people, mm-hmm. go in and sit on these cubes mm-hmm. to fill out our paperwork. Yeah, they didn't quite come from Ikea, but they're sort of cloth covered boxes. Yeah, felt I think is the right feel for it. And you have eight of them, like you say, so you can have the full group there sign their waivers. And on top of each one, there is a little clipboard and it's got some paperwork to go through. 
And then in between them, there are these little felt bags where you could stow your stuff if you need to and come back and get it later. And the lighting in this room, everything is like very blue. Yeah. And it has a funny effect. I had a bright yellow water bottle with me. But in that room, it was like caution cone orange. Ah, so we've got essentially a black light effect going Mm -hmm. on which is cool because some of the pens i immediately went to a station that had a bright glowing yellow pen some of them had that sort of like we're on the edges of your visual spectrum kind of Mm -hmm. day glow colors going on so i grabbed that and filled out the questionnaire it says take a moment to check in with yourself pre-experience how is your mood and then you get a series of faces from frowny to half frowny to straight mouth face to a visual representation of the word fine (laughs) to a smiley face so you've got five options from frowny to smiley so i picked the fourth one yeah i'm happy i could i could be happier yeah i've been what you got yeah exactly how is your energy i said four okay i said two i think that day i was feeling kind of run down okay the end of the day yeah and then what is your stress level now we've moved away from the faces and it's just, you know, like one to five. Yeah. One being low, five being high. So I said, I said two. I said three. And then have you experienced a chromosonic immersion before? If yes, how many times? Nope. First time. Same. So now we are ready to go inside. And the woman who greeted us, I don't know if she ever gave us a name. Yeah, I don't think she did. I think her name was probably Feline. Feline? Yeah, it just felt like a Feline. Okay. Yeah. So Feline comes in and she says, take your time. Take off your shoes, please. Mm-hmm. This was a shoeless experience. Another thing she was telling us was that there are transducers under the floor with strong magnets. So mm-hmm. I think essentially just there's going to be some really powerful speakers. So if you have a... Pacemaker. Pacemaker, yeah. I don't know. Maybe she mentioned being pregnant or something, but said if you're somehow sensitive to any of that, let us know. Mm -hmm. Also, she kind of prepped us by saying that we should sort of unfocus our eyes when Mm -hmm. we take our position. We were encouraged to leave our masks on, but then you asked, like, well, there's just the two of us and no one else had bought a ticket. There were eight seats in there, but yeah, um, we had just spent an hour in a Prius C without our masks, so damage has been done there. She said, yeah, totally fine. Uh, You can have them down for this experience. So that was pretty much all the prep, just letting us know that this would be, I think it was just under half an hour. So Mm -hmm. it'd be about half an hour. And again, no rush. And she didn't seem to have any issue with me taking photos everywhere. When I asked, she said, yeah, knock yourself out. And she said that ideally you're sitting Sort of in between sitting and laying down. But I pointed out, like, with us being the only ones there, can we lie down all the way if we want to? And she said, yeah, okay. Yeah. That was another piece of instruction was don't touch the screen with your feet. Oh, right. Which I immediately did. (laughs) (laughs) So you got a little reminder of that. But yeah, you can lay down on these, goodness, these pads sort of these geometric sloping shapes yeah, in sort of an egg or like off-white color. Yeah, like what if a chair just kind of gave up near the end of its job? (laughs) I was thinking, you know those kind of cheapo sponge makeup applicators that look like a little doorstop wedge? wedge. Uh Uh-huh. If you just scaled one of those up to the size of your body, there you go. Yeah, yeah. And and put a a wedge pillow. Put a headrest on it. Wouldn't that be funny if they added the spikes like from the Shakti mats? On t- <laughs> that would be very strange. <laughs> on of top them. of those headrests. Well, that would be additional sensory input. Yeah, it's true. So you walk in from one end of the egg, the spaceship entrance. Mm-hmm. So now you're just in this big internal white walled egg. egg. You're in the egg. Yeah, you are inside the egg. 
and you pick one of these eight chairs that are radially pointed outward away from the center where you have this structure with either 15 or 18, these big LED tubes. These things could get bright. Yes, definitely. We'll talk about that. And it's very striking. Like as you walk in, it's already kind of undulating between color options. Well, actually, before it started, it was just stark white. This is kind of pure white with the off-white chairs and the white walls and the white floor. It feels very much like you're in some kind of futuristic space Uh ship. Yeah. You're kind of inside the egg looking at the inside of the shell to Mm -hmm. keep our egg analogy intact. And this thing's maybe eight feet tall, maybe about 17, 18 feet long. Yeah, if you get too close to one of the walls, you have to worry about hitting your head on Mm -hmm. the side of the egg. Don't want to do that. And understandable, they don't want our feet touching it because the idea is that they create these kind of pure fields of color and they don't need any smudges. Right. So I lean back and then just immediately, without even thinking about it, put my feet right on it, just right on that shell. (laughs) And she was like, take those down. I was like, oh, right. Sorry. So we took our positions. And at first we had an empty chair between us. Mm -hmm. And it was well orchestrated in that I couldn't see anything in my peripheral vision. Like the blank wall could completely fill my vision. Yes. If I stretched my head upward, I could see the tubes behind me that were programmed to shine the different light patterns. So ideally, and this isn't necessarily said to you, but you realize it fast. Ideally, you don't want any reference points in your visual field. You Mm -hmm. don't want to see any edges. You don't want to see any lights. You don't want to see the chair next to you. You don't want to see the guy next to you. You want to just be immersed in this visual experience where your brain just doesn't have anything to latch onto except these colors. Right, to give you any sense of scale or proximity. So as a result, even though I did try laying down during this, I was quickly like, oh, that is not the thing to do because out of my left eye, I can barely see the lights. Oh, I can see the edges of the screen. And your brain just immediately goes like, oh, thank God, I can make sense of the space. Okay, you're just in an egg. There's a light over there. It becomes non-mystical entirely. When you move to the seat next to me, I could kind of see your feet just barely in my Mm. peripheral vision, but it wasn't a problem. So we don't wear any headphones or anything like that. Mm -hmm. It's just you have clearly there are powerful speakers underneath your seat and some kind of mechanism to create vibration as well. Which is quite nice. Yeah. You you get half massage from this thing. And then the show starts. Yeah, they close the door on us. Yes, that's right. We were sealed within the egg. She did tell us how to leave if we needed to. That if this becomes unpleasant, which we don't anticipate, just walk out the front. No big deal. This isn't like you aren't locked in. You have to yell the safe word, though, which is is, mango. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Otherwise, they won't let you out. Right, right, yeah. I did yell that the entire time. Just kidding. So yeah, then they go fully black first. Everything turns off and then the experience starts. The experience begins. The way they're describing this on the website, it makes me think that rather than having this completely pre-programmed, I don't know, I would imagine that it's the same experience every time, but I guess rather than having the sound and the visual separately programmed, one feeds off of the other, 
Yeah, I think that's the idea is that one of them is in charge and the other kind of follows suit. Yeah, the other one is sort of reacting to it and responding to it. So my so, guess would be that the sounds are preordained and then the, the the light follows. That makes sense. So that's a fun thought to think that you could go in this pod maybe and just give it a song of your choosing and see how it interprets it. But the music that came up was this very strong synthesizer music. Very mm-hmm. mechanical, but melodical. Made me think of the musical scores of Vangelis or like Blade Runner. Oh, okay. Chariots of Fire or recently movies like Dune or Blade Runner 2049, which I think Hans Zimmer did both of those. I think okay. he's now the go-to if you want that I sound. I liked the music from Tron. Was that similar? Yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. So the idea where... <laughs> Now I want to hook that up to the speaker inside <laughs> Chromasonic. Yeah, that's the idea is you get hit with this just kind of wall of sometimes it's just almost pure bass, you know, mm-hmm. building up. And then uh, there will be melodies on top of that. And yeah, it all has this little techno feel to it, but it's also very sinuous and pleasant, mm-hmm. I would say. And then that drives the visual. So behind you, you've got these tubes. And I tried not to stretch back and look at them too much, but occasionally I just want to see, okay, this is a really intense blue. What does that look like behind me? Oh, right. What's creating that? And it seems like every time I looked, not all of the LED tubes were completely in sync. Like you would have three of them solid blue. Maybe the three next to them would be white. Okay. There was constant color mixing going on. But the colors that this experience would fade between were all sort of like the most intense version of X color, you know, magenta, cyan, blue, green, yellow. And it would just go to like a pure intense version of that. I don't know about you, but the screen itself that's filling up your whole vision and giving you no sense of scale or anything. So it's just like, I'm just living in this pure blue world of blueness. When it would do that, if I would blink my eyes for a second, I would get this immediate and strong after image. Again, Mm -hmm. my brain trying to either pour in the opposite color. So then I would get this like really rich black with heavy magenta floating on top of it, hot pink Mm -hmm. even. And it was interesting. I feel like I was subtly picking up the structure of the egg behind it even though you couldn't make that out explicitly and say like, ah, there's the egg, there was like a slight triangular pattern. Oh, uh uh-huh. And then I would really see that in the afterimage. If I would close my eyes, I Mm -hmm. would suddenly see this geometry forming. Like, oh, that's interesting. I wonder if I'm really subtly picking up the outside scaffolding of Mm -hmm. this egg. Probably. Kind of cool. I kept seeing this one little tiny pinprick of hole at the very top of it there was like a tiny tiny piece of sky if you will okay and my brain kept picking that up and then i'd be like stop looking at that that's (laughs) distracting you but i don't remember the after images the color scheme because it was going between these pure colors of light was really reminding me of like the early days of computing remember we had computers from my dad had a a 1088 intel processor computer oh goodness i'm gonna get the chronology of this wrong but we had the amber monitor for a long time the green monitor you know like where you have just one color 
and everything you do is this really basic stuff. Like you play, I don't know, Zork and it's like a text-based game or something. But then he got the computer, like the 486 that could actually run Windows Mm 3.1. And it was like, wow, we finally got into this point where it's not just the 256 colors that we're used to from 8-bit systems, you know, where everything looks super blocky. Now it's still blocky, but we can assign 256 colors to each channel for red, green, and blue. So now we have like 16.7 million colors. This is amazing. Look what we can do. And look at this new monitor that can show off all of these colors so you had screensavers and programs that everything would be constantly gradients and flashing between magenta and pure blue and pure Mm -hmm. green bright lemony green and yellow yeah the colors of post-its oh there you go yeah that's another good way of thinking of it so it just kind of took me back to this era of like look what we can do with digital color this Mm -hmm. is so fancy we're going to constantly shove it in your face everywhere that's interesting because now i'm wondering in 10 20 years is this egg experience going to seem very silly and like behind the times will there just be more advanced versions of this that Ah. everyone has experienced and this just seems really dated and silly interesting yeah i feel like there's so many ways that you could play upon that base technology and add Mm -hmm. 3d glasses to the mix or something like that or more distinct images that in other ways mess with your visual perception but in this case yeah it was all just pure color one after another fading in and out between each other undulating sometimes just growing really intense yeah like now we're gonna hit carry with Oh my god. Yeah, I don't want to skip ahead too far because it was in the second 10 minutes Hmm. that I really started to feel that. But before we get to those second 10 minutes, in these first 10 minutes, did you have any of that sort of meditative quasi-spiritual kind of experience? I would say yeah, because my brain was actively just thinking about all of these things. Like, wow, Mm. how is it that we see? And why is it that I can't sense the scale of the room now? And how Mm. cool is this that it just feels like I'm floating outdoors at times like when the light in that first 10 minutes would turn like kind of sky blue. I'd be like, wow, how is this different from me being outdoors in the sun and just staring at the sky? Yeah. Is it the same? Because to my senses right now, it is to the point where I would have to kind of squint because the light was so intense. It's funny. I feel like the average person would say of me, Carrie, like, oh, her scientist never turns off. Like she's always analyzing from this sort of like Mm. skeptical Mm -hmm. cognitive angle. I feel like you're even more so where like Mm. even you describing this right now, I'm like, well, let it go. Like, <laughs> like I can't. I can't even imagine being thinking about like how is my eye doing this. So tell me about the photons. Um, <laughs> but I would have these slight moments of what you might call a spiritual experience for mm. a few seconds, and then I immediately my brain goes like, "Look, it happened! Oh my gosh, it happened! Okay, cool. Let's so, snap you boy, out there of are it. all these experiences that humans have, and you can create them, and you can even do it in this egg. Wow, that's amazing. You know, it's." Kind of like this other thing. You know, when you think about it, it's a metaphor. So, so five that's seconds my of experience of and, <laughs> yeah. and two minutes of editorializing. Right. I like yeah. it. I remember also thinking this is a great meditation aid because I was thinking then about my body like, okay, well, I'm not as aware of my body right now. Let's think about the contact points where my body is actually resting on this thing that I'm lying on. Wow. Okay. That's all that's tethering me to reality right now. This is mm-hmm. cool. Yeah, I was really digging it. 
and then you've got this sound that's going between the higher melodies and then the deep occasional throbbings. Very cool. So during this first 10 minutes, I had what I would call my only sort of far out thought. Like it just came to me suddenly and I was like, wow, that's wisdom. Everybody wants to go to the pool. <laughs> exactly. Like that. That's uh, something that Mother Ayahuasca said to right. Ross on an ayahuasca I, sh- I should get it right. Everybody likes to go to the pool. That's what I wrote that's down. That's it. That's right. Here is the thought out of nowhere. Good stories are told out of order, but the truth is told in order. Whoa. Whoa. Really? Okay. In that moment, that felt like, you have to remember this. Wow. This is so wise, Carrie. And it's easily the sort of thing that, let's say you had it in a dream, you'd wake up and be like, this is my forever statement. Right, exactly. Go write that down. And then five minutes later, like, oh, I really should have written it down because I can't think of what it was. (laughs) It had something to do with asparagus? No. (laughs) I don't know. Shoot. What was it? It was really good. It was about truth. It was something about truth. Truth is good. It was a billion dollar idea. I would be rich forever if I could just remember. (laughs) Ah, well. Yeah. Or you go and you read it later because you have written it down. You're like, good stories are told out of order, but the truth is told in or okay. Well, it sounds like you had a drug-like experience. Experience okay. without uh, chemical yeah. intervention. And I do think this was my brain disengaging ever so slightly from my work of the day okay, and processing it just a little the way uh, you would in a dream. So not something that came from the experience itself, but that the experience kind of allowed your brain to make little connections of the things that had already been chewing. Right, exactly. Which is what a dream is, right? Mm, yeah. You process everything you've learned and you make new connections and f- basically file it. Yeah. I think my brain just basically did that for a few seconds and then kind of recovered, if you will, because I have been doing this project that really involves a a lot of chronologizing. I have to figure out exactly what order things happened in, but then I can't tell you the reader in painstaking detail the order things are happening in. That's my job to make into a pretty and interesting story. Yeah, yeah. So I think that was my my brain making sense of that. I like it. Just to say about dreams, of course, there's still a lot of inquiry into the exact mechanism and reason for and purpose of dreams. Mm -hmm. But yeah, certainly all of those seem to be aspects of what's going on is that we're kind of reifying some of these short-term experiences. Yeah, you're right. All our body processes probably have many, many purposes. And I was starting to see this as being sort of the visual and audio answer to something like our holotropic breathwork Mm -hmm. seminar, where we were modulating our breathing and maybe making some adjustment to the chemical composition with our body, but getting sort of a drug-like hallucinatory experience without the chemical component. Mm -hmm. And I think in the same way, it was delivering on the promise of kind of getting you in an altered state. Though I would still say less so than holotropic breathing Mm -hmm. and holotropic breathing also being less so than drugs. So Yeah. Another thing that we haven't specifically done on this show, but binaural beats is another Mm -hmm. thing that I think that tries to build sort of the same effect by putting these different frequencies into each ear and getting the brain to harmonize with them or reconcile the disharmonies. And I feel like that was a component of this experience as well through the sonic portion that you had these kind of undulating beats going on. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So yeah, very cool. So after 10 minutes had passed, the music kind of calms down. You get this sense of like 
that part of the symphony has closed. We're not clapping yet, yeah. but we're moving on to a different movement. And briefly, I thought, whoa, is the whole thing over? Because if so, you really do lose sense of time. That felt like 10 minutes. And then I looked at my Apple Watch and it had been exactly 10 minutes. Oh, wow. Yeah. So you were much more conscious of time than I was. Okay. And for me, it was all blending together. So if you'd asked me afterwards, like, so how long was all that? And be like... Could have been an hour. Okay. Oh, wow. Could have been 15 minutes. I'm not sure. Somewhere in that range. Okay. Because in the second third, I think this was pretty cleanly divided into thirds. Yeah. You're definitely right about how you'd be run through a gauntlet and then there would be sort of a little palate cleanser. Mm -hmm. The lights would turn down and you think, oh, do I get up now? Oh, no. Oh, we're going back into a new thing. Cool. Yep. And it would be a new 10 minute mini symphony. Mm. So in that second symphony, if you will, uh, the act two, (laughs) I started to have feelings of displeasure. Oh, no. I started to be like, oh, oh, you know what? This is really bright. (laughs) And I'm like, sort of sensitive to light. I would guess more than the average person. I would guess most migraine people are a little more sensitive Ah, to light and sound in general. Sure. But I'm much more sensitive to sound than light usually. But man, like my eyes were watering and I kept like Mm. closing them and Mm -hmm. rubbing them and being like, oh, I can't get relief from this. Okay, this is becoming unpleasant. I Mm. wonder if it will become just downright like, please make it stop. That's where I was in act two. That was another thing that Feline had, yes, to- Feline. Mm-hmm. had told us beforehand, which was that there are no strobes involved, mm-hmm. but if you have anything like a response to the visuals being overstimulating, feel free to close your eyes, feel free to leave if you need to, as we said. I remember there was one moment in which everything went intense magenta, uh-huh. fuchsia, that Carrie let out an audible gasp. Oh, I was laughing. Yeah. Oh, was that what that was? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was laughing through a lot of Act 3. Okay, that was Act 3. See, act uh, 3 really cracked me up because okay. I was in so much pain. <laughs> like It wow. was so unpleasant by Act 3. I have this reflexive reaction to my own discomfort, especially mm. if I've paid someone for it. <laughs> <laughs> I just think it's like very funny. Like, I'm in so much pain. I paid you $35 for it. Well, well. Oh, oh, you're going to strobe it. But again, you're going to make another uh, really loud noise and then just push a bunch of photons into my fucking eyes. Well, that's great. And I just what a life I lead. Very funny. That's so hilarious. I was cracking up. I love knowing after the fact what was going on inside your head. But all I heard was, as I'm experiencing, it's like magenta. <laughs> was Carrie just like letting out this, I don't know, almost yelp it sounded like to me. Like, whoa, okay, we've, we've hit a button for Carrie. <laughs> But I totally get that, connect with like certain things just hitting that funny button with their absurdity. I clearly came away with less of a sense of the order of things, but truth is stories that are told in order. Oh my God, that's so true. Stories, good stories are told out of order. Are told out of order. Okay. (laughs) Like Pulp Fiction. But the truth is told in order. Or Memento. Wow. Wow. Okay. Wow. I like this. I'm going to chew on this later. I I think I'll get a lot out of it. Good. Yeah, to the discomfort thing, I would similarly find myself getting dry-eyed. Uh-huh. And I would need clear eyes. <laughs> clear eyes. I can't do a Ben... Ben Stein? Stein, yeah. I don't believe in evolution. <laughs> yeah, that's how you prep for a Ben Stein impersonation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Evolutionists are Nazis. Clear eyes. Anyways, I would close my eyes, but every time I closed my eyes, I felt like I was missing out on the experience. Like, no, no, I need to watch mm-hmm. it all. Yep. But then... When I had those intense after images inside my eyelids, which are 
also being kind of affected by the still going show outside your eyelids that would be very interesting so i could at least observe that for a while but i'd feel like oh but i need to get my eyes back open to watch this i think there was just this sort of sense where i kind of forgot how to blink or when i needed to blink. how often you're supposed to yeah because you normally would again you're being unmoored from all of these external stimuli that you're used to it was doing weird things to me for sure were you crying not out of emotion but yeah, where your eyes watering, where your eyes yeah, a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I had like tears running down my cheeks again, not from emotion, from overstimulation, and I kept thinking like, you build this as like relief from looking at screens. I've never, <laughs> I've never had this much like eyes watering yeah. pain in my eyes from looking at a screen. I just imagine eight people filing out of the spaceship with tears streaming down their faces <laughs> and the proprietors thinking wow we've really we affected them yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> we have moved the human soul through a transcendence of interaction of light and sound and sympathy mm-hmm. all eight people are just like oh god i have a fucking headache it's the worst you know when you are in a museum and you stand next to the one loud person who's telling everybody near them about what the art means <laughs> imagine that yeah okay well it's funny their descriptions that we were talking about earlier kind of remind me of that you know the one person who's just really into it like oh what we have here is a synchronization of the disparity and and juxtaposition of elements oh yeah yeah that kind of thing absolutely i think we just love that on the show because it's fun to see if you can disentangle that definitely any real meaning yeah i wonder if teal swan would like this event think so yeah i think as so. long as like somehow it also glorified her i think she would <laughs> i think she would particularly love those moments as the color transitions between blue and green because mm, that's where teal is yeah. yeah 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 what a weird coincidence so by the end of act three i was like make this stop <laughs> it has to stop soon okay i think we have reached the climax dear lord let it be over <laughs> and i also kept thinking i wonder what it's like for ross because i think you and i have really different thresholds of like what our body tells us is pain we'll feel the same thing we'll both acknowledge like oh yeah mm. that's vaguely at least what's the word like it's it's activating my nociception my brain is registering it as like an interloper in my experience yeah but there's a level where my body will go like and that's really bad and should stop ah. that yours doesn't <laughs> quite get to until much further along in the process. Yeah, maybe my first outlet will be, again, that kind of meditative approach, which is, oh, this is uncomfortable. Interesting that I find this uncomfortable. What do yeah. I find uncomfortable about it? Yeah. Whereas, I mean, my brain does that. Mm-hmm. So that's where I laugh and like, you know, yeah, all of yeah. that. But my actual body, I think, will register it as the brain actually sends out like a, oh, you're touching the hot stove kind of thing, I think much earlier than you. Right. And so, yeah, I was thinking like, boy, this really feels like it's going to be on the borderland between Ross and Carrie. So I really wonder whether it crossed into Ross' pain territory or not. That's interesting. If you plot us as kind of slopes that mm-hmm. are going in vaguely the same direction. Where is that moment where we overlap? Right. Or And where you hit a critical threshold where you're like, make it stop. Uh-huh. And I hit the critical threshold where I say, make it stop, which could change from experience to experience. I'm sure it would. And then there's the psychological element. Like I've gotten much better at distress tolerance. I feel like I could do mm-hmm. polar bearing. I could do it for two <laughs> minutes maybe without just running out. But that's also going to be like, require a lot more of me than it is of you. I see that. And that was, 
was our reaction as we left this thing, which was you were saying, okay, that was the upper limit of what I wanted mm-hmm. for this. And I was saying, oh, I feel like I could have done that indefinitely. <laughs> I could do that forever. I was like, God damn it. <laughs> so there's Ross, there's Carrie, and right between us is this egg. <laughs> <laughs> An egg has come between us, Carrie. Yeah. yeah, I was immediately thinking, oh, well, I want to come back and do this with my son. Mm-hmm. I was thinking, like, this would be a good experience for him to have. Whereas I kind of want to go back because I lately have just gotten, like, really invested in, like, how much I can withstand. Oh, cool. So I'm like, okay. I want to go and I want it to hurt. And I'm just going to see if I can ride it out. Time for some more Wim Hof. Yeah. But I do think Drew, my partner, I think it would be beyond painful for him. Like he, you would feel bad bringing him into it. Yeah. Like he really is sensitive to light. He has cerebral palsy and this might have something to do with that. But he, oh man, he's just so, so sensitive to light. I would give that warning to someone who feels they are sensitive to light anyway in the mm-hmm. everyday world. I feel like if I brought Kara there, she would. Your wife. She would the whole time be thinking, this is pointless. What is this about? <laughs> what are we doing here? Why did you bring me to this? And Kara knows that and mm-hmm. knows that we have mm-hmm. different reactions to these things. So there's like a whole category of things that I can do with Kara and other ones where she's like, yeah, go knock yourself out and do your weird You're, thing. Thank God you have Carrie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Thank goodness we have this show because yeah. otherwise I wouldn't be able to justify any of this stuff that I really enjoy doing mm-hmm. and I'm glad I get to. But Kara, to her credit, she'll just say, yeah, that's a you thing. You go enjoy right. it, do your thing. Yeah, that's and, good. And I think Andrew would be open to it and get something out of it. So I'm already planning in my mind, I need to buy more tickets and go back with Andrew and do this thing. Yeah, I'll go with Andrew. Oh, yeah, cool. Yeah. I mean, and you. Or just me and Andrew. All right, let's be weird. set up a date. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, you and my 20-year-old son. <laughs> cool. <laughs> I enjoyed it on this very metacognitive level for the last third. I enjoyed it on a sort of spiritual, emotional level in the first third. And in the second third, I guess I was in purgatory. Oh. <laughs> just waiting for things to get okay. worse. That's interesting. Just hearing your time perception Mm. because for me it really was all blending together and I was Mm -hmm. trying to remember if I was trying to hook on to anything for the show later was just to latch on to things that felt different from what was otherwise kind of a sameness Mm. sort of an undulating Mm -hmm. sameness going from pure white to pure orange to yellow to somewhere in between just to have something out of the 30 minutes to be able to kind of describe later. Uh-huh. Because uh, there was a little bit of worry in the back of my head, like, how am I going to describe this? Yes. How do you put words to this? That's a good thing to point out because someone else going into this, just by virtue of knowing that they don't necessarily need to tell the story later for an audience, might have more of an immersive experience. Right. Yeah. So uh, maybe, again, all the more reason to go with my son, who, by the way, is now going as Drew. That's kind of... Uh, I didn't know that. Yeah, that's a kind of a recent thing. He's like, you know what? I kind of like being called Drew. So I'm trying okay. to train myself. And here okay. I've not been doing that. Oh, that's a which good name. was our in- original intention. We named him Andrew with the intent of just calling him Drew. Oh, but no, we can't have two Drews. It's going to be too confusing. We waited too long. Okay, well, he'll be Andrew for the show. He has no problem with that. He still responds to that. Okay, good. So then it was over. The final, the sound ramps down and the visual with it. And it goes... I think it went back to black maybe and then lights came up. And, and then kind of a urine yellow for a while. It would just start slowly cycling through all mm-hmm. the colors. But they gave us all the time in the world. We could kind of sit around, meditate. Maybe, I'm sure plenty of people fall asleep during this. But she didn't come in immediately to wake us up or get us out or anything. It's just like, take your time. 
It was interesting. They were using language that I'm mostly familiar with from things like our Rhythmia investigation and holotropic breathwork. They would use the word integration. So after you've had the experience, mm. spend some time in integration oh. where you're integrating this experience into your greater life. And you're, you're weaving a story of its significance and mm -hmm. turning these interesting new brain connections and sensory experiences into some narrative. Yeah. Good stories are told out of order. <laughs> true stories but are told is in, order. Told in order. So we return to our forms. We're just flipping the same form over. Yeah. And the first question is, what did you notice? So I said, I definitely lost my sense of how far away the wall was at mm. times. Mm -hmm. I had this thought early in the experience out of nowhere Good stories are told out of order, but the truth is told in order. Ah. And then I put in parentheses, a new thought about a work project, I think. I like it. Okay, for what did you notice? I said, I really enjoyed experiencing my entire visual field being filled with single colors at a time. Often my eyes would become sensitive and I didn't know if it was because I hadn't been blinking enough or I was overwhelmed by the light. Really interesting to observe the negative images I was seeing in my closed-eyed state. For how did it make you feel? That's the next question. I said, at first I felt blissed out and excited. About 10 minutes in, I felt like I'd really experienced something cool. By 20, my eyes hurt really bad and were watering hard. <laughs> and I felt a bit nauseous. Oh, I'd forgotten that. That's interesting. I had to keep releasing my defenses and surrender but still unpleasant by the end, a 50-50 sensory experience. <laughs> I feel like they have these forms to capture additional quotes for their website. Oh, yeah. So now <laughs> they say a 50-50 sensory experience. <laughs> I can see, like, I'm scrolling through the website. It comes up. I'm like, I feel a bit nauseated. <laughs> <laughs> so how did it make me feel? I felt focused and meditative. I was surprised at how little my mind wandered. Overall, the feeling was very pleasant and relaxing. Okay, so then they ask you again how your mood, energy, and stress are, presumably to compare you to the first page. And so I intentionally didn't flip the first page over. I couldn't remember exactly what I had said. Mm -hmm. but it looks like the first time around I had given a four out of five on mood, though, of course, the faces were used, but yeah. still four yeah. out of five. Energy two, stress two. So four, two, two. And on the back... Oh, I picked three, two, two. So my mood had gone down oh, slightly. Oh, wow. Okay, well, that sounds consistent with what you've described. Mm -hmm. I think I had been four, four, three. Mm. And so for my mood, I think honestly, maybe I should have just kept it at four. But this is kind of the post-survey oh, sure, pre pressure. Like, well, okay, I, I feel like my mood was ever so slightly better. You know, I'll mm -hmm. say five. So yeah. I gave it the full smiley face. That's what they wanted. My energy level stayed put at four. And my stress level, I also moved that down. You know what? You talked me down to a two. <laughs> okay, nice. One interesting thing is they said that we could keep this piece of paper if we wanted. We could either give it to them because they love the feedback or mm -hmm. just take it home as a souvenir. Interesting. But we chose the middle path, which is to take a picture of it. They let us kind of stick around and take images. So I'll put some of these up on Facebook so uh, you can see photos on our page. If you're curious as to what we've been describing here, what it actually looks like. And as we were in that room, I looked around for the control panel and found it. And it is, in fact, an iPad. You found here it. Here it is. Showing Ross a picture on my phone. Wow. Okay. So there's a big start button and then that's in green and then a big red stop slash reset button. It says chromosonic in the middle. 
And then, okay, there's various sequences. There's entry, there's intro, sequence one, two, three. Yeah, so there's those three acts that I was sensing. Yeah, so I guess it kind of runs through them, but the operator can just hit a region on the screen to start, say, sequence one. Yeah, if they wanted to. But it does seem like there is a natural sequence. Yeah, preordained sequence of entry, intro, sequence one, two, three, and exit. It looks like it's really easy to operate, kind of idiot proof, if you will. But I'm sure if something went wrong, then you'd be like, well, I need more than what this iPad panel is going to give me, which is just like a couple buttons. And then we wandered out and she was outside waiting for us, Feline. And got the sense that this was her job to stick around and get this started for us and wait Mm -hmm. for us to leave. And that was just kind of what she was there for. And she answered a few questions from us, but I feel like she didn't have any super in-depth knowledge of the thought process behind this. Yeah. So I asked her, the people who created it, are they seeing it as more from an art installation point of view or like a spiritual experience? Mm -hmm. And choosing neither option, she said... I would say it's the intersection between art and science. Ah. So she didn't even mention the spiritual component I had asked about. So that's interesting. Interesting, yeah. And then we asked how long this had been around, and it opened in June of last year, so 2021. So it opened up in the midst of the pandemic. Yeah, wild. Yeah, totally. And then she mentioned that there would be the newer exhibit coming out later this year. And I'm internally thinking, I'll be there. That sounds great. Yeah, I'll go too. So, Ross, what would you give Chromasonic on a pseudoscience rating, where Uh, one is something completely not pseudoscientific, it's quite scientific, right? Like, do you remember that whole theory that Charles Darwin popularized, that living creatures developed their traits by means of competing with one another? Yeah, oh, that sounds so familiar. Yeah, Evil, evil potion. Evil, evil potion. That's evil, it. Evil, evil potion. potion. Evil, evil, evil evolution. 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 That's it. Got it. Yep. yep. Evolution. That's a one. And then 10 is something completely unscientific, like hmm. everything on this planet, including that egg, is made of goat sperm. <laughs> Interesting. Well, the goat sperm has to go somewhere. Maybe this was a goat egg. Okay. Just fair. A really large goat egg. Uh, on this scale, I wouldn't really call it out too much. I think it was just having fun with this modern art interpretive language. Mm-hmm. Maybe they got a little high on that when they were writing their website. Mm-hmm. But for the experience itself, I would have liked to have more of kind of the geeky color science discussion. Mm-hmm. I would have just liked to hear the artists and technicians talk more about that. Mm-hmm. And I feel with like James Terrell's exhibit that I got a little bit more of that. It was also firmly grounded in the art world, but it felt a little more rationally based i could have used more of that and would love to hear more about that i won't ding the language too much but i feel like by bringing it into the realm of things that we can investigate we registered somewhere around a three three is my intuitive answer too i think if you went to them and said i had a totally spiritual experience and i think that i connected to the device i don't think they would pull you back at all Mm -hmm. yeah it feels more like that's an exit sign that is designated on this highway and if you take it okay they're gonna let that happen and they did uh, point out that off-ramp but they're not gonna go down it themselves yeah but if you also approach them and you said so how much of the rec 709 color space are you filling (laughs) or or were you working in p3 they would also be able to engage on that Mm -hmm. they'd be like oh cool let's have that conversation instead and this is an interesting thing with art is like what is the right thing for them to do if you come up to them and say you have a spiritual experience that's that's a a whole other art theory that's a good point and akin to what we talk about with the magician who's approached by people afterwards 
saying, I know you're real. Can you talk mm-hmm. to my mother mm-hmm. for me? Yeah. Uh, what would you give this then on a danger rating where 10 is something very dangerous, mm. such as you read the chromosonic website out loud while you're driving? Yeah, shit. You have it right in front of you and you're scrolling. Oh, I am physically driving. I'm not riding in your car. Yeah, yeah, you are driving at the wheel, but you are also scrolling this website and uh, reading this website. Please don't text and drive. And then one is... Something not very dangerous, like reading it to the person next to you who is driving. Aside from the fact that being in a car is one of the most dangerous things we ever do. Right. So danger is always a little hard to define. I usually think of danger as... Will Robinson. ...as having an effect on your body that will outlast this event. Because here's Mm. the thing. If the question is just like, might you have a really unpleasant feeling in your body for a fairly prolonged period of time, then yeah, you really might. But is that going to rejigger something in your eyes or your brain or your ears that's going to have effects that outlast your experience at this place? Probably not. That's a really good way to measure it. Okay. Yeah. So, but I feel like for someone who does have this really low pain threshold like I've got, it has to at least go on the scale. So I'm going to give it a two. Okay. Yeah, fair enough. I think another component here kind of related to what you're saying is, especially since we are allowed to leave at any time. Could this have some sort of danger or harm that could take place without you knowing it? So you kind of think that Mm. you're okay with this, but it's actually doing Mm. some sort of, like you say, lasting harm. I don't know if I can really picture how that would play out. So at least from my own experience, I would say very low. I'll say 1.5. But yeah, if you know yourself to be sensitive to these sorts of things, maybe steer clear or be at the ready to leave, get, or, get the or, chair closest to the exit. Yeah, or be aware, like, then you're performing an exposure. Mm-hmm. You're deciding to, like, sort of play with the upper limit of your threshold. Of exposure therapy. Yeah, yeah, which might be good for you. You might decide that's what you want to do. But know that that's what you might be doing if you go to this. <laughs> okay, yeah, fair. What about creepiness? Where one is something that's not at all creepy. Like, going to a carnival... And buying a box of popcorn and it's piping hot and it smells so good. Mm. And walking around with your son and just taking in the sights and thinking, ah, this is what life is really about. And 10 is something incredibly creepy. Like going to a carnival where every attraction is subtly made out of the human eyeball You don't realize it at first, but (laughs) it turns out that like they've created like a sort of pulpy wood stuff out of human eyes and that's what they use to make the make the wood. And then all the plastics are just dried out eyeballs that have then been compressed into sort of a rubbery (laughs) substance. And all of this is not revealed to you, of course, until you're already deep inside. Sounds like a very unattractive attraction. Yeah. And an unhumorous aqueous humor. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, what I, was I would say it's not that creepy. Okay. Certainly not as creepy as what you described. The only creepy thing here is maybe a little bit in the language and the hidden Masonic inside of Chromasonic. Mm, okay. Is there a connection? Mm-hmm. Probably not. Probably. So I'll say 1.5. Whoa. You think it's creepier? Yeah. Because we're in the egg with the techno vagina? Yeah, it looks like where you go to die with all your friends. (laughs) I would say this is heavily influenced by watching shows and movies about fictional cults. 
Like, that is the aesthetic they were going for. Okay. And it works. Oh, my God. Yeah, no, so creepy. Seven. Whoa. Okay, you talked me up to a two. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it's good creepy. I like to be sure. creeped. Sure. But... You know, you're right. You make a good case for it. Seven. Wow, that's okay. Yeah. Intense. High on the creepy. What would you give this on a pocket drainer value? One is something not very pocket draining and 10 is something very, very pocket draining. Well, I don't want to sound like $35 is throwaway change or anything. Mm -hmm. That's an expensive experience. I would say for a full half hour and knowing that they will still let you come if there are only two of you. Yeah. I think it's actually pretty affordable. So I'm going to say it's a one. Speaking of which, as we were leaving, a woman showed up by herself Mm -hmm. and said, hey, I'm here early for the eight o'clock. Yeah. And so they let her in or they were negotiating but apparently the woman running it thought she was done for the day and didn't know yeah. there was an extra person coming when did you buy this ticket but they still yeah they seem to just be like okay one person they can still go in by themselves we're still going to just charge you 35 bucks even yeah though we're running this whole thing for you yeah you make a good point about you know saying 35 dollars is not nothing but mm-hmm. also just thinking of from the cost of creating and running something like this yeah 35 bucks seems like uh, about right yeah I'll, I'll give this a one on that scale a uh, two all right so it's not free it could be free well that's true the best things in life are hot drinks hot drinks there were no hot drinks unfortunately Arr! i know that would have been the full experience so mad oh you know something i forgot to mention is when i was peeking around the egg i could see in the back there, like just their computer set up and where she probably goes and hangs out for the half hour that we're in there. Oh. It's just like a little office space in the back. It was kind of funny, it, you know, with Crazy. this very ominous entryway and then the big egg and then if you peer around it's like here's my little desk Uh, i'm i'm playing solitaire while you go through your experience i love those little touches where you see that a lot of work has been put into creating a facade and just peering behind it and seeing kind of the cracks or the edges or the little spaces you weren't intended to see i kind of love that Mm -hmm. i tried to take a picture let me see if it came out enough that you'd uh be able to clock what's happening in it you know, that's so funny. After you did that, I went to take a picture and I got a totally different angle that did not include that. It just, okay. just clipped that out. That's fun. So you see a little bit of the behind the scenes. I can't even fully make out what that is. But yeah, I see like yeah, another, it's someone's a, another, desk. another monitor, a screen. They've got a screen back there. <laughs> you promised me no screens. Yeah, that's another funny way to see this is they tell you. This is going to be your time away from screens. Then they project lights onto screens <laughs> that completely surround you. And I, but they're I, not backlit. Yeah, they're, exactly. There, there's no pixels. <laughs> it's it's all frontlit LED programmable <laughs> panels and, and the sound with them. So I had a good time. This was fun. Yeah, this was fun. I'd go back. Totally. Me too. I actually, I kind of plan to go back. So I'll let you know if we do. Great. In case you want to I join. won't have a good time, but I'll go. <laughs> nice. Well, that's it for our show. Our theme music is by Brian Keith Dalton. Our administrative manager is Ian Kramer. This episode was edited by the magnanimous Victor Figueroa. You can support us and make these adventures possible by going to MaximumFun.org slash join. That's how you become part of the family, our family. Thank you, Mommy. Thank you, Daddy. You can also follow us on social media. You can buy a book at bookshop.org slash shop slash oh no. That's mm-hmm. how you can find our on recommendations. Mm-hmm. You can buy a Jumbotron at MaximumFun.org forward slash Jumbotron. You can tell a friend Mm -hmm. in any creative way that you want. You can make Mm -hmm. a sign. You can spray it on a wall. You can carve a pumpkin. You can put it in magenta text on a bright blue background. I will not approve, but I will. (laughs) And remember. Good stories are told out of order, but the truth is told in order. 
I'm John Moe. My show, Depression Mode, is all about mental health. And this week, I talk with Amanda Knox. She spent four years in an Italian prison for a murder she didn't commit. That's a lot of trauma, and she's okay talking about it. If I touch on something that you'd rather not get into, just say so. We'll cut the whole exchange out. But it also seems like you're pretty open, <laughs> open about a lot of things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I am having trouble imagining anything that you could talk to me about. <laughs> I that know, I... I know. What are we going to throw Amanda Knox with? <laughs> Depression Mode with John Moe, only on Maximum Fun. For over a decade, MaxFunCon has been an incredible weekend of learning, connecting, and laughing with folks in the MaxFun community. And, if all goes according to plan, the last regularly scheduled MaxFunCon will take place in Lake Arrowhead from June 3rd to June 5th, 2022. We have a very limited number of tickets remaining. To make them available to the maximum number of people, we'll be opening our waitlist for tickets on January 23rd at 5pm Pacific. That'll be your chance to be first in line to purchase tickets, and we'll go down the waitlist until we're at capacity. More details at maxfuncon.com. And mark your calendars for Sunday, January 23rd at 5 p.m. Pacific. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.